I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm here with Tim Doyle. Um and he just advised me that he was been to school with all my, or some of my kids, um, one of which in particular is Nick. So uh, that makes me feel really fucking old. Uh, <laughs> how you going, mate? All right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, I, I'm um, your generation, you know, my kids' generation, but your generation, um, you grew up on social mediums, uh, but probably more so, more than that, you grew, you grew up not only being familiar with it, but actually working how to get around it, how to use it. When you were at school, were you someone who thought to yourself, um, oh, I'm going to really drive really hard to become a, a sort of an expert in marketing and uh, using social mediums or was it just something that you grew into? No, I don't reckon the, like at the time the, I mean, the, schools, the school I was at was particularly like interested in the technology world. Like, you know, IT was a subject on the fringe of regular schooling. And I think like with the transition that happened while I was at university was this like huge move towards like, hey, this is actually a business. You know, you start to see like, these enormous companies emerge, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, and you go, well, there's more careers than finance, banking or, or law. And there's, you know, there's, there's things that you can do in the technology world and like make a significant difference at like a real scale. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, my boy's the same thing. I mean, like he, he went and did a commerce degree and he started computer, master computer science and he started coding. And next thing you know, he's, you know, he's got an online, an online property management business and, uh, so how did you sort of get into that? Like, what was your experience? I mean, I mean, did you, did you go to uni, did you finish uni? Then what did you do? Did you go into a typical place? Yeah, so commerce degree as well. Um, I was working for a small consulting firm. Uh, like the big, actually the big moment for me was we were building, we were rebuilding the website for the Australian Labor Party. And in which, 20, year, which year were we talking about? So 2016 here. Yep. And they, uh, they called like a relatively surprise early election and they were like, oh, no, now we need to buy all this advertising for this new world. And does anyone know how to do it? And I was like, oh, well, it's all very, very, very new. So there's no experts. And so I have like reasonably sound understanding of how the platforms work. So I can have a crack at this. But you, were you involved in the Labor Party at the time? No, just like like complete mercenary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gun for hire. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in the corner with my headphones on. Um, but it was so bre- in that year, you had Brexit, you had that big election where it was a bit of a surprise result. Um, and then you also had the Trump election and all of them was where Facebook made an enormous difference. And so I kind of got thrown into this world where they were like, you know, we need to spend, we need to spend a million dollars on Facebook ads in the next five weeks. Can you figure out how to do it? And I, um, you know, I just like kind of did it slowly over time. I was like, holy shit, this is a powerful tool. You know, this is like, this is moving people's opinions on mass in a way that we've never really seen before from a targeted perspective. 
Um, so kind of bounced into that and was like, this is a big thing. And then at the same time, one of my mates was starting Koala. And so he was like, after the back of the election, he was like, can you come over and essentially do the same thing again here? And uh, I think at the time they were doing about half a million dollars a month of revenue and like over the next two years grew from that to, you know, the the $10 million a month they do now. They're like, they're, they're, yeah, I was going to say, they'd be, they turn up like $100 million a year. I've had yeah. them on my podcast. They're, they're, they're a good team. So you, you're involved in the marketing of the Koala product, the brand. Yeah. So about six months after they started, I, I took over as head of strategy, which yeah. I mean, was essentially a marketing role yeah, to begin yeah. with. And then um, that grew. So I think I was employee number four or five. And I think they grew to, while I was there, I think that we, we grew to a team of 80. So it was, a, you know, it was a crazy ride. Actually, I just should tell everyone the Koala mattress business is an Australian business. Um, it's a, it's actually quite a good disruptor. It's a, it's a good mattress. It r- arrives in a nice packed box. You wouldn't, yeah. think, it's a, you wouldn't think it's a mattress in there, actually. I, yeah. I, I, they sent me one. I actually gave it to Nick. Yeah, right. Nick, Nick needed a mattress, but I, I gave it one of my kids. And uh, and uh, and you would think it's just a, a normal product business selling a normal product like a mattress. But in actual fact, all the engine is really behind – what the engine sits behind is in relation to the marketing of the brand because, you know, they don't do traditional marketing. I mean, they do a little bit of traditional marketing, but it, you, you they get their customers because it's an online business. They yeah. get their customers through your strategy. Yeah, I mean, like so the, up the first the first innovation I think was the logistics platform. So like the idea of getting a mattress in a day was you know incredibly foreign. Um, and what Danny, one of the founders there, was able to do was like essentially build an end to end logistics solution. Yeah, that's right. It's a day. It's right. It's yeah, one day. Yeah, if you order by two o'clock today, you'll get it by five. Yeah, yeah, that, um, and that's what happened to me. They 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 got my details the next day arrived that that afternoon. So yeah, the logistics, is, the fulfillment piece. Yeah, so it, that that's a digital. Uh, strategy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a technology build, right? So yeah. basically, the middleware layer that joins e-commerce store to factory to warehouse and all the systems that interlink that, like that, was not a solved problem seven or eight years, or, you know, five years ago. That was a a really difficult challenge that Danny and Mitch managed to kind of solve through building technology. Um, and once you can do that, you've got something you can tell people that nobody else can do. So you know, you've got Harvey Norman telling you it's going to be six to eight weeks, and then you've got them telling you you can be there by that afternoon. And it's an incredible difference. And so for a generation of people that are like living in the, oh, I want this thing now, or I'm moving house three times a year and I want things, you know, immediately and reliably to arrive, Koala is a huge opportunity and a huge disruption. Yeah. So can I just go quickly go back to the, uh, the uh, 2016 period, yep. the, the, the Labor Party and the, and the election. And you said that you just had seen what, what had happened in the States with Trump, et cetera, and their use of Facebook and all that, probably as Facebook at that stage. What did, did you learn? I mean, what did you find out and what did you then try to uh, parlay into the Labor Party's million-dollar spend? I'll tell you, so, that, so I think that the story that best like illustrates this is so the Labor Party has historically found it very difficult to talk about uh, like climate change issues en masse, right? Because you have uh, like a large portion of the, you know, the workforce works in industries where significant change on climate change would cost people jobs, right? Like mm-hmm. so in rural Queensland, you've got um, – you can't campaign on the health of the reef for example, because if you do that, obviously it's like mining jobs that, that are at risk. Mm. And so what I kind of realized was like, if you cut audiences in Melbourne, inner city, young and female, you can talk about the reef all you want because it's never going to be seen by, um, you know, by anyone in Queensland. So, so you're like, not wasting your money. Yeah. So you're doing like really targeted spend, right? Yeah, and you're yeah. going, but you're also not pissing people off, right? Yeah, so yeah. You, can ca- you can campaign on progressive issues in the inner city and you can campaign on, you know, jobs issues in rural Queensland. And you can actually have that message told in a really nuanced way where, you know, historically, you know, Bill Shorten's got to get up there and go, what's the middle of Australia? What's the middle message? And you get, you get eaten from both sides. But digital marketing and, and particularly the targeting available on Facebook has meant that you can have 100 different targeted issues out in the market and they cannot conflict with each other in any way. 
Yeah, um, which because, is because you're only, the only people looking at it are the people you want to look at it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You've got an audience of you know 100,000 people that you've identified, targeted, and gone, these people, this issue will resonate with these people, which is completely different to how you have to do mass marketing. Well, take me down the track because like in the old days, I mean, I used to advertise on television. I even had a TV show where I you know, did the in-program advertising and we used to, you know, we were effective. We didn't know them, but we now know that we're employing the, a spray technique. Hopefully you sprayed some of the people you actually wanted to have in your audience and who you wanted to, to spend some money with you. But now you, you guys are doing absolute targeting. Explain to me some of the methodologies or just like how does uh, Donald Trump just find those people out there who he needs to get to be motivated to actually get off their ass and go and vote for him? Yeah, so I mean, what's really interesting about the modern Trump tac- Trumpian tactics are like, in 2016, Facebook's big innovation was that you could take an audience that you had offline. So say you had your customer list for Yellow Brick Road um, and you plug that into Facebook and it goes and finds those people. Yeah, so we, we call it cloning. We just clone our people and we say to Facebook, find these for us. Yeah, so that's that's 2016. Yep. 2020 is actually, you plug those same people into Facebook and it goes out and through machine learning says, here's the 10% of the country that looks most like these people. So you have these powerful tools which look alike audiences. So what Trump's doing... Um, and has done really effectively over time is he's run his e-commerce store. So he's run, he sold things, you know, make America great again, hats and things like that. Use that as a seed audience and then use that seed audience to then find people like that who are likely to vote for him. Okay, let's go back a step. So hang on, go on <laughs> team, team, that's good. So he said, okay, well, what, or someone in his team has said, let's um, put out, let's, let's sell some hats. Yep. For, you know, probably a break-even price. They're not trying to make money out of it. Well, maybe they were. But let's sell some hats with Make America Great Again yep. on, on them. Let's see who buys them. They got to put up their details. Yep. All of a sudden, we know the people we should be talking to because we what we've got to do is got to get them off their ass and go and vote. Yeah, and not even that, but, like, these are the profile of people that we want to reach more of. Okay, so, okay, okay, so you've got another step. So you said once we know these people, they're people we're going to market to, but once we know these people, we actually take their characteristics – and their, their style of behavior. We go along to Facebook and through Facebook's been learning about everybody who's on their Facebook platforms now and Facebook then will give you a new a new audience. Yeah, they'll, they'll find the, the, the 10% of Americans, the 5% of Americans that are most like your core group. So suddenly you have a seed list of 10,000 that have bought hats and you can scale that to 10 million in seconds, which well, is Facebook remarkable. Can, yeah. Facebook can for you. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, you think it's scary? Uh, yeah, I mean... I think what's really funny about it is that it's often being blamed on these like outside like hackers and things like that. And it's like, it's the off the shelf tools of Facebook that are really the difference, right? So people say, oh, Cambridge Analytica, this, oh, Russian interference, that. And it's like, nah, this is Facebook. This is everyday e-commerce. And that's the scary thing. Yeah. And what you're saying though, this happens all the time. So that Cambridge mob who were sort of, you know, there was a massive inquiry about them and their interference in the elections, um, in 16, I think it was. was yeah. 16, yeah, 16. Yeah. Really, Cambridge Analytica, all they did was actually get stuff that was already being used by Facebook. Yeah, there was and nothing- then, so obviously Facebook are never going to take credit for these extremely powerful targeting tools, right? They're not going to go, oh yeah, it was us. So having a having a like scapegoat, you know, mysterious data science company suits their ends perfectly. They can continue to promote the same tools without the repercussions that potentially happened because of what they did. So what about the so-called Russian interference? Yeah, it's slightly different, but I mean, principally, it's the same thing. It's Facebook's off-the-shelf tools are extremely powerful for reaching people. And so with small amounts of money, you can make significant impact. What they were using was a lot more like promoted content that was skewing in a certain direction. So this idea of like fake news, I mean, reality is it's just more curated news, right? So I'll give you an example. So say we want to stop people in in the Queensland state election turning out to vote. 
So we wanted to suppress the vote. What we would do is we would make a page called election news, you know, electionnews.com. And we would point, we'd find an article about long lines to vote from last election. We would put it on Facebook. We would strip the dates out and we would make it look like in Western Queensland, there was going to be long lines to vote. So people didn't turn out. Yep. Pretty easy to do, right? Not fake news, just manipulation of the news feed and super simple. Yeah. But, uh, and what would you expect to be the effect of it? People wouldn't turn out to vote and yeah. you could shift a thousand votes and a thousand votes in a lot of seats of Australia, in Australia is enough. So just, just take me oh, okay, for a seat because, because seats aren't um, properly distributed. In other words, you don't get the same numbers of people in that seat as you might get in a Capella bar in Brisbane. Just take me through that. Like, I mean, that's, you said it very quickly and, <laughs> and, and like you're doing this stuff for a living. Stopping people from voting in, uh, you know, some region out in the, you know, out the outback of uh, Queensland or stopping them from going to vote. What are you trying to influence? What are you trying to make them scared of the fact that they might get COVID because there's going to be too many people down the line? What, what do, you, do you go that far or do you just show, show them a photograph of a long line? Uh, I mean, it's easy. It's as easy as that, right? I mean, the ends is pretty simple. If you move, like, let's think about this in, let's think about this in the US context, actually. So if we believe that we can identify a certain population of people in Utah that are going to vote Democrat and it's in our best interest for them not to be voting Democrat or in fact, not voting at all. Right. So what we do is we curate some news for their feed and we go, okay. Curate, where do you get the news from? So we pick up we pick up stories that will disincentivize them from voting. How do so, you know how do you know what those stories are though? Well, I mean, pretty simply, like things like long lines, things like polling booths being so the, closed. But you're making judgments. You make a judgment on yeah, it yourself. On you, you're, be, yeah. you're not asking any software to make the judgment for you. you. No, I mean you could do that. You could you could give Facebook 10 stories and let it decide. But in reality, you're more likely to just curate yourself. Yeah, just judgment, personal yeah, judgment. Yep. Yeah. And then off the back of that, you then serve that to these people because um, you've got this targeted or list. Or Facebook does. Facebook serves it to yep, them yep. into the news feed. Yep. Um, so what you're doing is you're curating the news that they're presented with, essentially, by advertising to them. And then the outcome of that is they're much less likely, you know, you've given them a disincentive to vote. And it's because you're targeting a specific group. If you can reduce the number of people in that group who votes, you can influence an election. So, and, and is there any probability analytics on this? Like, in other words, the probability of Facebook and or your, let's call it fake news, uh, being able to influence them not to vote. I mean, is there analytics around it? The probability of before the event occurs? I mean, in other words, is there any artificial intelligence or machine learning that says we expect based on our other campaigns we've done this sort where we've done this type of um, behavioral influence behavior influence that it's more than likely there's going to be a 50 percent chance of being successful for the 10,000 people that you actually reach this is an area that is imperfect in the electoral sense because in e-commerce what you have is an event that fires on the so basically if you buy a koala mattress a pixel fires on koala's website yep. that feeds back to the to facebook and gives you a measurable outcome. so you drop a pixel on me or they drop a pixel on me they drop a pixel on the web, like Facebook drops the pixel on you. Yep. Koala has a matching mechanism. So it says, okay, when purchase fires, if this person is also that person, stitch that information together. Yep. Facebook then knows that whatever ads you saw on Facebook, it then attributes that purchase back to those ads. Right. So that it builds says, up data for Facebook. So the da Facebook then can build probability of Yeah, of a conversion. Outcomes. So so what we use a lot of now is like purchase optimized uh, advertising. So what it does is it says, go find the people most likely to buy. Then when they do buy, that information feeds back and the algorithm gets smarter. Right. So uh, that, it keeps getting smarter and smarter and smarter. Yeah. So like how, I mean, is it happening at, happening at a ridiculously rapid speed? I mean, are we uh, talking about, uh, you know, within the next 12 months, Facebook's um, machine learning will be, you know, 50% more accurate or 50% more targeted? It's... The speed at which it gets better. So, I mean, 
the I think the the story that is relevant for me. That, I mean, is Moore's law apply here, or something faster than Moore's law? I think ever? it's probably. I haven't actually thought about that in the context of like how quickly it gets better. But let, let's say, let's say, let's just go back two years, right? So what you would do is you would plug into Facebook a whole lot of targeting. So you would choose, right? You would say most likely my customer for Yellow Brick Road or for Koala is going to be a central CBD uh, corporate male or female between 25 and 45. You'd plug that into Facebook and then you would uh, use that as the targeting tools and you would be providing your own intelligence over the top of Facebook's ability to target. Now, what you're much more likely to do is go, actually, Facebook, here's my customers and I won't tell you anything else and you just go find them for me. And I won't influence that decision at all. So it performs way better. Facebook's way better at finding customers than me and you are at identifying them. Yeah. So in other words, you just hand over. You just hand it over. Yeah. Yeah. There's no yeah. point us. But can, do we get Facebook has Facebook uses its data. I mean, it uses its analytics to actually find these people much more efficiently than we could do if we then started doing the analytics. But does Facebook then share that analytics with us? So yeah. So it builds a whole lot of free dashboard tools, which you can then go and learn more about your customers. Yeah. So we know more about our customers now than we ever have at Koala. Uh, I mean, well, I'm not, not still at Koala, yeah, but yeah, yeah um, I mean, at all e-commerce. Well, what do you? Well, let, let's give me an example. What, what, what? When you say you know more about your customers at any at any e-commerce business that you you consult to, and, we'll t- and I want to talk in a minute about at your new venture, Eucalyptus. Yeah. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Yep. Love that. I love Eucalyptus. I lo- and I love eucalyptus trees. I love anything Australian in terms of that. And, and it's interesting you call it Eucalyptus when you used to work at a place called Koala. But we'll talk about that in a second. But what do you know about your customers? I mean, today, what do you think you know? So there's an incredible amount of behavioral information, first and foremost. So what does what that mean? The journey between the first time they interact with your brand and purchase is crystal, is like more clear than it's every click, every session, the amount of time they spend on your pages, where they go, how they do it, how long they take to think about it. This is arithmetic behavior though, isn't it? So yeah. It's, it's, so it's time. So it's all behavioral. That's, and then you have demographic on top of that. Well, sorry, can I just stop you? Too? Is it behavioral or is it... Um, is 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 it um measurement around behavior? Uh, so it's measurement of behavior. Okay, so yeah. it's it's the first point you're trying to make now is you you um the tools or Facebook's feedback or the the dashboard you can create. Yep. Um, I mean I assume you're using some sort of app or some sort of software. It's to all create the dashboard. off the shelf Facebook. Straight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that gives you measurement. So in other words, you're measuring the time that Mark spent on on the website. Yep. Um, uh, the the time Mark spent on various items within the website, parts of the website, things he might be interested in, what time of day, how long for those, what other measurements would you find out? Assuming that you know it's Mark Boris, you do know yeah. it's Mark Boris, yeah. or your client or you know it's Mark Boris, what other things would you measure? That would be like all of that behavioral stuff is really important for how you design your experiences. So how long it takes you between the first time you come to the website and how long it takes you to transact is a really important one because yep. it decides how much advertising you then serve in that in that interim period. Then on top of that, you have much more demographic data as well. Does it measure things like, for example, uh, how long it takes me to um, go go to the um, shopping cart? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, That's uh, that is a game in and of itself. Uh, uh, um, okay. Optimizing shopping carts. Yeah. And then does the and does that allow you at the shopping cart to sort of say, "Fuck, he's he's well." I mean, it's a bit like a movie, but well, he's spending a fair bit of time uh, making a decision. He hasn't proceeded. Offer him a discount. Yeah, yeah, that's all automated. That's yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so but do, that, that that's that's what you're talking about. Though. So a really classic example would be if you because then people, um, by the way, you should be doing that. You should you should hesitate. That's table on the stakes. Cart. Yeah, that's table. Because you're going to yeah, get yeah, dis- yeah, you might get a discount. Get, you no, you almost certainly will. Yeah. I'm, so don't I mean, fuck the, around. Uh, fuck around. There's a I mean, there's a classic email flow which is called a browser abandonment flow, which means if someone comes back to your website having not purchased in a long time and then leaves your website, 
you can trigger an email straight to them, which is a discount, which is like table stakes e-commerce. If you're not doing that, you're insane. Yeah, but so that's me, the consumer gaming, the, the machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be, it can be. Yeah. Have you thought about that? Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, do, I mean, do you ever think about gaming the game? Like, uh, uh, <laughs> I think the deeper you get into that stuff, like, look, we, we're, we're passing an enormous amount of traffic through these websites, right? So mm. it's not like, you know, single, opt single actors optimizing for their own outcomes. Yeah, but what about if, not, yeah, but could you create a thousand actors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, couldn't you go and create a thousand actors and yeah, to go could. and game the game? I mean, you could, you could. I, I mean, me. that'd I be awesome. Yeah, you could be a, you could be like a bad actor for e-commerce sites. No, you? but it'd be great even <laughs> for an election. You know, you, had, uh, you could uh, create ten thousand fake accounts or something. Like that yeah, I think, you, I think you, I think you're coming to an insight which uh, happens quite a lot, which yeah. is like bot traffic through different. Yeah, bot traffic is a huge problem. Is it? Uh, yeah, it, it's a huge problem in the legitimacy of online advertising. And do competitors do it? Like, so let's say, uh, I mean, I don't want to use Jerry. He's a mate of mine, but Harvey Norman might want to have a crack at Koala. Um, uh, for what you know about Jerry Harvey, do you really think you'd be capable no, of sending no, a thousand that's, bots anyway? That's why I'm using Jerry and Katie. <laughs> but like, but, but could, is it possible though that, uh, that they game they could. game the competitors? You could, you could. If the if the transaction size was high enough and you really cared about it, you could definitely you could definitely set up bots to. I mean, one of the really common ones is like review bots at the moment, where it's like people are writing negative reviews using bots. Yeah. Um, yeah. To to drive down comp competitors because reviews are the currency of the internet, right? Yeah, so, totally. If you don't uh, have that system, you know, you very rarely see an e-commerce business with less than 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, if you yeah. can drive them down to 4 or to 3, suddenly you're, uh, you're in a lot better spot. Well, or the, the, the reason being... I'm, not... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Some of those people who aren't quite up to it as you are, a lot of people are going to say, well, hang on, why isn't it a 4.5? And I'm, maybe I shouldn't be, shouldn't be shopping there. Yeah, I exactly. Be using that service or that exactly, and it's because I've put a thousand bots, to, <laughs> put a thousand fake reviews to it. Not me, I mean, like I wouldn't do that, but uh, it's possible to do, right? Okay, so you've got all this uh, experience and knowledge, and by the sound of it too, it's not just experience knowledge. It sounds like it's uh, excites you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think like you don't get very many opportunities to be kind of on the precipice of new industries, trying to problem solve how they work in real time as best practice develops, right? Um, I think. Most most career paths they drive you down into a world where it's like you're learning a process that's been established and you're learning it over you know multiple years. Whereas technology it evolves so quickly that you really get to kind of test your own hypotheses and if you win you win and if you don't you know you, 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 you move on get on to something else. Yeah, Start exactly. Up because everything moves so quickly and you're not actually stuck. I mean, if you go back to the old traditional way of advertising, you go and produce a television ad, for example, and if that's that adds fucking yeah, shit flops. else. I mean, you're, it costs you two hundred thousand to produce it. You're booked to advertising. If you pull in on the advertising, you don't get the advertising. Yeah. So you're sort of stuck. I mean, this, this is yeah. so much more powerful 
this system, you know, you're sort of stop starting, stop starting, you're just refining, refining, refining until you get it absolutely right. Can I ask you a question? You, you're obviously watching the Biden-Trump thing going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, do you sort of sit there sometimes thinking to yourself, oh, I'd be doing this? I mean, if you're All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, well, I think it's what like- some things will you be doing? Um, if I was so Biden's campaign is probably Are the most sophisticated left wing campaign Great. that's ever been run. Yeah. Um, and why I say that is because the game now is how fast you can produce content because Facebook's advertising tools are so developed that it's like table stakes to be good at those. The game now is how fast can you make content and get that content in front of people. Uh, and so I've never seen anything like how good the Biden campaign has done in the last six weeks with that speed. The Trump campaign is still probably the world leading campaign in variants. So the other thing that you need to do is create a lot of variants of things to allow. What's that mean? Uh, so let's say we're ma- let's say we're making your TVC. Historically, you would have gone to a creative agency, you would have borrowed their you know secret skills and knowledge to produce the best TVC. Now that knowledge is commodified, and what we do is we we produce ten different ones, mm. and we go, can we just essentially run them all and let, let the, the algorithm decide. let the market decide, right? So and the algorithm algorithm will pick up what the market decides. Yeah. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get our cost of production low enough that we can produce ten versions for as cheap as possible and test them all. And so the Trump campaign is very effective at creating variants quickly, but doesn't have the same speed of message that I think Biden has pulled off. What, this can campaign. you explain the speed of message stuff? The thing about political campaigning is it happens in really, really fast bursts. Messages are old within four hours, within eight hours. And so the ability to take something that happens on TV and turn it into an effective campaign message within 15 minutes is incredibly important. And the Biden campaign has done a fantastic so, job. That. So so the real reason behind these debates well, one of the real reasons behind the debates from a from Biden's point of view, for example, is to make sure that uh, whatever's good for Biden that's coming out of that, that debate, that platform on television to, to whoever it is, is that you feed that back into the market. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that I would say nine tenths of the viewing that happens for any moment in one of those debates will happen online in the aftermath. Yeah. So it's a question of how it's you just cut material. things together. Yes. Yeah. Who's, who's getting the material? Is, is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's, 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 and that's been it for years now. So explain your new business. What's your new business? Because, I mean, you're obviously going to take all of that learning and enthusiasm and you're going to put it into a business because if you don't, you're fucking mad because that's yeah. what, we all need it. Yeah, and I think like the incentives for starting new businesses have never been stronger uh, in terms of um, how quickly you can build something really powerful, um, how exciting the opportunities are, how much technology is changing things. So I guess like the, the, the easiest way to explain it is if you take the things that I learned at Koala, which was if you remove friction using technology from a process, you create a really seamless experience for the customer and you market powerfully, you can build something big and successful and great really quickly. Me and the creative director from Koala and one of our, one other founder as well, we're kind of looking for industries where that insight would apply. So whereas high friction analog experiences could be improved with digital, with technology. And we landed on healthcare because our view of our view is that essentially uh, healthcare has been really slow to move online. Obviously, the pandemic has changed that, but primary care was still delivered, you know, ninety eight percent in person. And a lot of there's certainly parts of primary care and the GP experience that can't be delivered online. But you know, a lot of the conversational, repetition based consults can be. You talking about? Are you talking about like the Chemist Warehouse Initiative? Is, is it Chemist or Discount Chemist? Were they actually? Um, are running consultations or th- through uh, through the various um, or through the mediums like Zoom or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that? yeah, I mean that's pretty much. So telehealth in the in the simplest sense. Yeah. yeah. So what we do is we build a layer of technology. So we build telehealth consultation technology, our own proprietary stuff, and then on top of that we build brands. So like our argument is essentially that 
vertical experiences that are very deep. So say you're say like we do the we do we have Kin Fertility, which is a uh, fertility brand focused on women. Uh, and if you're and we do a lot of the contraceptive pill through that. Um, and so if you want a detailed conversation with a specialist or a GP about the your contraceptive situation, then we build a platform that allows you to do that all in one place. And so that has but been. But it is person to person in that it's. Um... It's a consultation, yeah, but, but, but it's using the internet though. Yeah, so like the way that I think about it is if you were to go out and want to talk to a GP and then a specialist about uh, the contraceptive pill, you would have to go GP, GP referral, specialist, specialist conversation, potentially back to GP to get a script. Uh, script goes to pharmacy, you go to pharmacy. Uh, and then for a lot of women, it's then picking up repeats every three months. Punish, for, total you punish. Know, total punish, right? So we build the interconnection layer. So right. we build the ability to talk via text with, with a GP, the ability to talk via video, the ability to order straight from a pharmacy, all through our layer of technology. And then we charge each of those individual parties on the way through for the privilege, like for the ability to use our service. Yeah, okay. So like, I, I did see one, with, I think it was called Discount Chemist or Chemist Warehouse, where they're actually promoting their brand by uh, providing telehealth consultations. It was during the COVID period. So it was actually quite a clever way. That, and they're not a doctor. They're not a, they're not a medical they're a chemist, they're a yep. pharmacy, but they actually, by providing this access to doctors, telehealth, um, they actually got people. Then, then the doctors actually put in the prescription through their through the chemist warehouse, and the chemist warehouse through logistics systems deliver the they stuff. Actually, to deliver you. the stuff. Yes. Exactly. Which so is sort mean, of what you did acquire a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in, it's in not terms dissimilar. of logistics, yeah. Yeah, so it's not it's not at all dissimilar. We um and they build a brand off it. Yeah, and we're we're so we're we have three brands now. We have a skincare brand called Software. Um, we have Pilot. Which Software. Is, yeah, yeah. We yep. have a uh, Pilot, which is our men's health brand. And then we have Kin, which is our fertility brand. So th th these are things you guys own? or We own all of those brands. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. So just explain to me what Pilot is. Pilot's actually more discretion focused than convenience. So like erectile dysfunction, hair loss, skincare for men. Yep. Um, and then- The things you get nervous about going to see a doctor about. Yeah. There's yeah. just like, uh, I mean, particularly like erectile dysfunction is a really interesting one because like the number of people that report to have it is- you know, three times as many people that seek treatment. And so what do we, like we have, you know, we have a thousand reviews of our platform and a lot of those reviews are, I've been putting off seeking treatment for this for 15 years. Um, and it's, it's changed my relationship to be able to have a discreet, convenient way, you know. To get a hard on. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. I mean, which, you know, like it seems trivial, but like for a lot of no, people. No, it's not it's trivial. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you get to my age, you can't be bothered with it. But like, I mean, you couldn't be bothered with the going down the track of getting the, the help. But, but, but to be frank with you, like, uh, there are a lot of younger people from stuff, this stuff too. Like, yeah, for sure. Like for sure. in their 30s, when I call younger in their 30s and 40s and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's a pretty, <clears throat> it's a pretty like uh, confronting situation to find yourself in where it's like, and also, I mean, it, it plays out into a huge series of other men's health crises that happen, you know, like the step from this being a problem to mental health being yeah, a problem. Yeah. Uh, Relationship because, problems. Yeah. Cause you're like, you decide to be, you know, you decide to be stoic and go, Oh, I can deal with this. And then because the system isn't well set up for you to kind of go and seek help. If you're, you know, if you're a busy person, then you end up not seeking help. And these things, they snowball quite quickly. So what do you call it? What's that one called? Pilot. Pilot. Yeah. Why, why'd you call it pilot? Uh, Cause it's a health navigator. Um, okay. So like men's health, men's health navigator. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, naming processes are a bit brutal. You write, you know, you write five hundred names down and you got to choose one. So. Totally. So you you've gone with Pilot, and 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 how are you boosting Pilot? I mean, what are you doing to push Pilot using all the various um, techniques you talked about? Before? I think we've just tried to lean into this creative kind of set of info, like this this idea that like, hey, we can remove some of the stigma around this condition by like kind of taking the seriousness out of it at some level and being like, this is a normal part of life, you know? So like, the education. Yeah, there's a huge amount of education and we try and do it in an entertaining and engaging way. Yeah, so yeah. I think like 
where a uh, a lot of medical information is tends to be a bit like dry and luxury. We go, hey, you know, this is you know this is how you can improve uh, your performance in a kind of fun and lighthearted. And do, you, and do you find do you end up doing what like say I remember years ago um, they used to get Shane Warne to do their, yeah, yeah, their hair ads. I mean, is, is, it, when it's the same, is it still is it you get do you get a, a, a talent in there to do that? For uh, you? We do. We I mean, we actually we haven't used any celebrity talent just because I think like people. Uh, associate that Shane Warne thing with a bit of like a spivvy, um, a spivvy industry. And so we've tried to be a bit more medical. But like, that's your brand. That's where you're putting your brand. Yeah. yeah. For example, we do a lot of advertising on Pornhub. Like there's an example yeah. of like where we've like pushed the boundaries of where you would expect. Pornhub for anyone who knows, and I only found this out more recently, but Pornhub is a, is probably the number one uh, yeah. access porn site. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, the, you actually do this advertising. So funnily enough, Pornhub has a advertising engine behind it that is like relatively close to the strength of Facebook's. Um, it's called Traffic Junkie uh, and it plugs into all of the porn sites. Um, right. So you buy all of them through, through one site. Oh, so Pornhub owns all the other porn sites? Uh, there's a company called MindGeek that owns all of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, owns all of them? Uh, more or less. More I mean, or less. like uh, there's a lot of them, <laughs> but you know, wow. like, uh, the top uh, five of the top 10 are owned by MindGeek. Yeah. yeah so, so Pornhub is, uh, Pornhub effectively is a Facebook because it's, it's all free, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it monetizes really the, people in the same way. So, <laughs> yeah. but well, the way they're making their money is how is, is selling advertising. Selling advertising. Yeah. 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 So, like, you're paying as, does, face, as does Facebook. So, you yeah. go to Pornhub and you can sort of say, I want this, this is the my, my my profile. Yep. The profile of people I want. Yep. Go get them for me. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, Pornhub has uh, keyword keyword based advertising, so you can really get into some some niches there if that's if that's the thing that you're after. But wow, um, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a super. Like, of course, it is. Right. They're doing. They're the they're the eighth visit eighth most visited website in the world. Of course, really? they have advertising powerful advertising engine. Really. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. That's uh, so. So your your pilot. What was the other? The other um, one? We have Kin Fertility. Kin K I N. Yeah, K I N. Yeah, yeah. So that that's for uh, is that for male and female? No. So it, it so it, our intention is to do, uh, expand it out into like the fertility journey more generally. So I think like the insight there is like if you're a 21 year old woman trying to avoid getting pregnant, the world treats you very differently from a 26 year old who is now thinking about getting pregnant. Right. Um. And we'd like that sto- that journey to be a bit more linear and have information flow a bit more cleanly throughout it. So the t- platform that we've built essentially allows you to um, have a continuity of care and uh, of information through that journey. And then what's the third one? Uh, it's called Software. It's a skincare brand. That's so it skin- makes custom-made skincare. So are you guys actually manufacturing skincare? Uh, well, our pharmacies, our pharmacy partners are. Yeah, your pharmacy. So you've got yeah. partners. Yeah. Can I ask you this, Tim, like uh, we're running to the end of our, our show here, but like it's fascinating, but I mean, I recently watched that uh, thing on Netflix for a social experiment, what it was. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what do you think about all this? Are you part of the evil empire, the, you know, the fourth estate or, uh, or do you think it's all, there's nothing. It's just, it's like just another way of advertising. Which whatever way you think about it, right. The genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. Right. So what we need to do as a society is raise the level of literacy that people have for how these systems work and the role that they play in them. But do you want them to do that? Because I mean, the more you do that, the less you're going to get. <laughs> I'm to not them. some like I'm not some dark actor. I, like I just like I um I really believe that the most important thing is that like people understand how these systems work and don't get caught in them. Most people your generation don't give a shit anyway. You know, like it's it's like the old email scams, right? Where the Nigerian prince emails. Yeah. yeah. It's like. Those die because people's literacy for them gets to a level where they understand them. Yeah. Um, and we have generations now, you know, younger than mine, that are so internet capable that these things don't hit in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the internet means different things for different generations. And I think the issue at the moment is that we have, you know, 50% of our population, probably more, that saw the internet come to life in the later half of their lives. And so we're never educated on uh, the darker parts of it and therefore are exposed in ways that, 
um, society wasn't really prepared for. But I think if we can raise that level of literacy, then I think social media and kind of the advertising world that is online advertising is not necessarily a force for evil. That's a fairly liberal, liberal in a sense, a conservative um, way of looking at things. In that uh, markets will correct themselves. Um, we don't. We sh- we don't. We don't seek interference, like like regulatory interference. Yeah. Do you think that's what? How do you feel about it? Do you think that's the right thing? I mean, I mean, uh, I haven't asked you about your politics, although I know you've looked after the ALP and, you've, yeah. and you and you were, you were jumping all over the um, the Democrats just then. So you've been watching them. So. Is is inter, um, you know interference and or regulatory intervention something that should happen? Because I mean, like little kids, for example. I yeah, mean, I mean, look, where, where's I the line absolutely on believe that like the internet needs some level of regulation. It has been completely ham-fisted to date. Yeah, like I'm sorry, but the efforts that we've seen, you know, even from the like there was, you know, I remember I remember ten years ago there was talk from the Labor Party of like an internet filter. There's been recent stuff about you know regulation of Facebook and the payment of media. And it just fundamentally doesn't understand the role and the way that these businesses function. And so until we have a level of literacy in the way that we regulate, um, I don't really see how that's going to be done positively. Um, so I think what we may see is the antitrust stuff in the US be a, net, a force for good because I think part of the problem is the consolidation of power within these organizations. You know, the big five companies, technology companies in the US are you know, the size of several of the world's biggest economies put together. Easily. Um, and that's a problem. So I'd like to see the antitrust ha- stuff happen first before we have like ham-fisted attempts to actually regulate what is on social media um, and how that, those systems work. You know, interestingly, in 2002, the, the then Treasurer Joe Hockey asked me, uh, would I chair um, um, an inquiry into um, e-commerce and the protection of, of users, consumers of e-commerce in Australia. Now, go back to 2002, there was no e-commerce. Um, and we put together the first, um, as Australia put together, the uh, first um, set of rules um, to govern how e-commerce vendors um, interacted with consumers of all the OECD countries. And we put it forward. We were the first country to do Australia's first company. To do it. And it came out of, it came out of my chair, this inquiry that I chaired. And I can tell you now, well, it was all lawyers, mostly it was lawyers in, in the group. And, uh, and there was a guy called Ted Pretty in those days who was a pretty famous guy, read in Telstra. And, you know, he's, and it was pretty unusual because in those days, no one, everyone wore a suit to work and Ted started turning up to work in a skivvy, um, which is <laughs> very job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and what's interesting, we never considered any of this sort of stuff. Like if anyone had ever said anything to us about this, the government would have enshrined legislation the day one. The only thing, the big thing for us at the time, just the, the massive thing for us was this uh, being confronted by this concept of spam. And uh, commercial relationships, and you must have a commercial relationship before you can spam someone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, opting in and opting out. And the big discussion was should you opt in or opt out? It's amazing, it's, you know, in 18 years where the world has gone to. They just dug down into the deepest recesses of you as an individual, as me as a consumer as well. Yeah. And, and I'm doing it on the opposite side as a vendor, I'm doing it to you as a potential consumer. It's amazing what we get to know about ourselves and each other. And at the end of the day, the, the, the Liberal Party at the time said, we don't want to legislate. We won't legislate. We're just going to put out a, 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 um, a code of practice, yep. a code of conduct. Yeah. And uh, they have legislated since on things like spam, etc. but they just put out a code of conduct. My gut feeling is, and I, I think this is where you're going, is except for extreme examples, you know, kids or the vulnerable, um, we probably should just let it um, let it sort itself out because over time, people, as you say, become smart. And they realise, oh fuck that! I know what that's about. I'm yep. not going to respond, or I'm not going to open that up. I'm not going to look at it, um, or I know where it, I know what it's about. 
and I'm like, I'm a huge technology optimist, right? Like I think the fact that you can set up a Shopify store in 15 minutes, um, run some Facebook ads, run some Google ads means that the opportunities to start businesses for people, for, for people in Australia and around the world, um, simply is so incredibly positive for the way that society will develop and the way that the economy will develop. So I think like we need to ensure that that's possible and then we do need to protect the edges. Um, and I think our efforts to date have been neither A nor B. And so therefore what the next stage of regulation and thinking about this stuff is, is how do we facilitate and then protect? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where I'd like to see. It's a little bit like COVID, you know, protect the innocent and the vulnerable. Let the let the thing open up everywhere else, and yeah. just let us deal with it. Yeah, it's a, it's live, a good live with it. Yeah, and uh, and this is just another example of COVID. I mean, it is it is potentially viral. This stuff. Yeah, in a technological sense, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it relies it's totally on that. Yeah, yeah, of uh, that's its DNA. Yeah, yeah, because because it is viral. So let's just protect the uh, the innocent. I, oh, Tim, I, I'm really glad I had a conversation with you. Um, it's got my mind sort of ticking over a thousand dollars. And one of the things I was just thinking to myself is the government, governments or whoever they are in terms of budgets should be looking at putting more money towards protecting the edges and actually, but go one step further, but actually enhancing new business startups, the ability to use what's available mm. to kickstart their business off a lot quicker and a lot Absolutely. more effectively. Absolutely. Like, I mean, you could, you know, we could, we could sell, you know, we could sell three things in this office in two hours if we really needed to. Right. And yeah. that's like, that's such an exciting part of the economy now. And I just think like, there's going to be so many great things that come out of that for this country. Because if we want economic recovery, we've got to start to embrace technology in the right way. But we've got to embrace technology with some controls. But unfortunately, governments, unfortunately, governments, because they tend to be older people, yep. my, my age, but they tend to be older people, but they don't think of this shit. Of course, right? Of course. And that's where there's... That's they should be the consulting with the younger people. I think so, right? I think like, you know, there should be, there should be groups of, you know, like we've got, we've, you know, we've built two three, four fantastic technology platforms out of Australia in Atlassian, Canva, uh, Safety Culture and uh, CultureAmp. And like they're, you know, they're globally influential technology companies. We've built several of the, several great e-commerce brands. You know, Koala does, you know, I'm not sure this is, you know, I'm sure they'd be fine with disclosing this, but like they're doing tens of millions of dollars of revenue in Japan. You know, like how do we create more of these stories where Brand Australia is an export that helps small businesses thrive and how do we do that? And how do we build opportunities for people to do that? I don't know necessarily that we're actually capturing that at all at the moment. How do we get our products and services and our ideas across the world? Yeah, how does brand, you know, we, we sell Brand Australia as a tourist entity really well. We don't sell it as a hub for interesting brands and products. Totally. And I think we could go a lot better in that sense. Awesome. I, I, I had a great time. Thanks very much, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm sorry, sorry I had to rush along, by the way. I had to rush along because we were both late. Yeah. But you've, you've got it all. This is perfect. Okay, good. Thanks, Tim. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.